0: Hi, I'm Edgar Brown, CEO of FIT, and welcome to The Process. At FIT, we believe in empowerment through fitness because your health is truly your greatest asset. Each episode will bring you conversations from expert trainers and personalities who share their own fitness journeys and how they were able to grow in the four pillars of health, being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. We really want you, the audience, to learn from the stories of these individuals and in doing so, create your own process for becoming a better you. Welcome to the Official Fit Podcast. My name is Edgar and I'm joined here today with the founder of Bolo, Cali Rikis. So all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, she is the CEO and founder of Bolo Love Toronto, which you can find at 364 Richmond Street, West In Toronto. So to get into a little bit about what Bolo is, it's an all in one intensive workout space, salon and coffee shop, all curated by Cali. So a little bit about more about the space. Uh, It's a great hangout space for pre or post workout um, and has a built in salon offering different services like makeup and hairstyling the workouts are really intense and serious focusing on shadow boxing and primal flow as well as some hot room classes as well so to start off Callie can you tell us a little bit about your professional background and what inspired you to start bolo fitness
1: sure um, thank you for that intro i uh, just wanted to clarify about the things that bolo offer before i go into my sort of background um, Bolo has two classrooms: a hot room and a regular temperature room. So the hot room has lots of specialty classes, like you mentioned, sweatbox and primal flow. And then the hit room, which is regular temperature, has like boxing, strength training, TRX classes, um, and sort of everything in between. So just wanted to to clarify on that so that people kind of know what to expect. We have such diverse range of classes. Um, me personally, so I never ever would have thought that I would be a gym owner. Um, my career started in the television industry straight out of school. I got an internship at ETalk, which is an entertainment news show here in Toronto, Canada. Um, and I was heavily focused on just being a journalist and writing about the things that I was passionate about at the time, which was fashion, entertainment, uh, lifestyle, etc., So I worked at E-Talk for almost 10 years. I was at CTV um, as a writer and producer. I did some pretty cool stuff. I traveled around the world. I went to the Oscars a few times, interviewed lots of cool celebrities. Um, And and yeah, it was a really fun job. My side sort of hobby was... uh, in fitness and boxing. So that was like my passion. So I would spend all day working at CTV and then I would go straight to the boxing gym and train for two to three hours every night. Um, I got into the sport competitively throughout my twenties. Um, and really just built such a strong passion for fitness. Um, I eventually went freelance with my, um, with my journalism, I decided I wanted to leave corporate and sort of own my own portfolio and start writing for digital, digital magazines, um, and some blogs. So I left CTV and what it allowed me to do was, um, take on some of my bucket list sort of projects. And my bucket list had a lot to do with fitness. I wanted to get certified and, and properly educated. So not just being, um, an enthusiast, but becoming an expert in my own right in fitness and wellness and boxing. So I got certified in all of these things and in nutrition, et cetera. And I started writing um, my articles from a point of an expert instead of just someone who was excited about it. Um, and then everything just kind of built from there. I started taking on personal training clients on the side. Um, and so I was writing all day and training clients all night and trying to find time to train myself um, in the middle. And what I found was a really, a really big gap in the market for people like me. And I think people like me, um, what do I mean by that? I mean people with really untraditional work lives uh, who have more than one hustle, who prioritize um, socializing, wellness, professional life, personal life and everything in between. And I just felt like there was this gap where the facilities that existed in the city weren't meeting my needs. So I embarked on this journey of trying to figure out like, why is my life so inefficient? Why can't I get a a good meal, find a place to do some work, um, and then quickly get a good workout. And then have a facility where I felt like I had space to get myself back in order so I could head out to my next destination, whether it's an event or a board meeting or a date. Um, so that's kind of how the Bolo brainchild was born. Again, 10 years ago, if you had asked me if I would own a fitness and wellness facility, I'd have called you crazy. It was never on my radar. In fact, I think I would have actually actively felt like that was something I wouldn't want. But when the idea came to me and the need felt so strong, um, it didn't even feel like an option. It felt like this is something that I have to provide for the community.
0: Yeah. Wow. That was uh, an amazing background. Thank you for sharing (laughs) that. Um, And I think it's so interesting when it comes to uh, like starting a company, it really often does come from a personal pain point. So you said that you uh, experienced not finding the right place for you, something that balanced all of those different things. And that's something that you tried to make clear at, uh, at Bolo and have everything available right there in the gym.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think a lot of businesses come about just by feeling this need um, that you're disappointed by the sort of options that exist and and feeling like you're the person to, to solve the problems. I think every business inevitably is geared towards solving a problem of some kind. Bolo had a really, really long laundry list of problems that I wanted to solve. Um, A lot of people saw the list and called me crazy. I would never be able to answer those questions or sort of meet those demands all in one facility. And I'm pretty confident saying that we've we've actually checked all the boxes.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in visiting your space, I could definitely say that, that you have. I feel like it's amazing that you can bring all of those things into one uh, location. So it's definitely really unique. Thank you. Um, I'm sure in doing all of that, though, that must have been hard. Um, I'm sure that it's never a straight path in terms of entrepreneurship. So I would want to ask you, what do you think that the hardest thing was in terms of starting Bolo?
1: Oh, my God. I mean, we could just do a whole podcast on how many hard things there were <laughs> and are, continue to be. Um, I think the biggest one, um, the most obvious one, is that there was no pr- proof of concept. So because a facility like this didn't exist yet with these unique kind of offerings, um, It was hard to get people to take me seriously. Like I said, I'm not joking. When I showed them the list of things and I had my deck that was like, here are the problems I'm going to solve and here's how I'm going to do it and affordable luxury, you know, for the masses and all these things. And people were like, that doesn't make any sense. That's an oxymoron. Those things don't belong together. You're putting a blow dry bar in a boxing gym and a workspace. Like that didn't compute for a lot of people. Um, So I was turned away by a lot of investors um, who couldn't see – the concept and couldn't see the value. I was turned away by a lot of real estate teams who didn't want to put our space in their buildings. Um and and so yeah, like that obviously in itself has offers a problem, which is just like trying to get funding and trying to get backing of people who believe in you to actually make it happen. Um, so so that was like the first and probably biggest battle that we fought um you know there were other things down the down the line that came up that were like massively uh imposing on us meeting our goals um one of which was like i didn't really understand the process of like building permits and and how the city worked and having a bricks and mortar offers so many unique issues that um i think a lot of people aren't educated on or aware of and one of the things is that the city permitting process delayed us nine months, which cost us almost $300,000 in delays. Yay. (laughs) 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 So obviously that was a problem. Um, The easiest part has been building the community. So while the suits maybe didn't understand it, the people really do and really did right away. So having said all that with the issues that we encountered, um, the biggest blessing was that I was right and that people did need this type of facility in their lives and and that we were connecting in a way that I had hoped that we would um, with very little effort. Not as in I didn't put effort into it, but we weren't forcing anything. People were coming to us naturally and gravitating to us and wanting to stay, um, wanting to share with people, wanting to share on social media. So I think you know, it's pretty obvious that the issues were with people who were sort of outside of my demographic who don't understand that lifestyle, who couldn't see it. Um, and you know, now that it's created and I've bootstrapped it and made it happen, um, now the suits are starting to figure it out, but off the top, that was a big struggle.
0: Yeah, um, that just brings up an interesting point uh, by this guy. His name is Reza Satchu, and he's one of the co-founders of the Next36 program, which is where Fit as a Company is based. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, at least um, at the beginning, uh, have as many people uh, be able to take uh, responsibility for your success as you can, which basically just means at an early stage, focus on building relationships and that they um, they really come through in the end. So for those people that you, you said um, had turned you away, I'm sure that you've had some believers that you were able to to convince. Did you want to talk about a few of those people?
1: Yeah, I mean, in the end, um, I honestly didn't think it was going to be as hard to get financing as as it ended up being. I think the people that were willing to... Um, take a risk, weren't taking a risk in the business idea as much as they were taking a risk on me. And I'm sure you can relate to that. I think a lot of times especially when there's no proof of concept or when someone doesn't have like a a strong business background, that inevitably when people are putting their money on that business, what they're really saying is I just believe in you and I believe in like whatever you'll do will be great. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had some close family and friends kind of have that attitude. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but you're wonderful and I back you 100%, 100% of the time. Um, so family, that was huge. Um, and not just family with money, but family with money and um, some business acumen who understood sort of like what it takes to do it and, and again, like just believed in me. Yeah, um, yeah and then some close friends who just wanted to be crazy and take a risk and are glad that they did it now.
0: And I'm interested to know, too, for like the like the early supporters of Bolo from from the customer side. So mm-hmm. a lot of the times when you're doing things for the first time, um, you'll find like the few people who, as you you mentioned, problem solving for before that yeah. this really solves a problem for and they end up coming along. Yeah. How was that like initial response?
1: Yeah, it was It was interesting because when we first launched Bolo, it was actually, we launched a pop-up space. Mm -hmm. So Big Bolo, as we know it now, the 7,000 square foot space at 364 Richmond Street West, um, was the long-term goal. Um, And so we had signed, you know, the lease across the street. um, And what I decided to do, instead of opening this massive space um, and feeling like we were sort of, going from zero to hero overnight with relative obscurity. Like, of course, like, you know, I have a social media following, but how many of those people are actually going to come to my gym day one? Um, What I thought was necessary, and I sort of took a cue from places like SoulCycle when they first opened in Toronto, was to develop a community very, very low risk to people. So come and try it out. Come and spend some time with the team come and try our workouts for very little money. Uh, We had this pop-up across the street. So it was a really small space, just workouts. We partnered with a clothing company called Nixwear. And so there was like an underwear shop upstairs and a gym downstairs and a little social space. But we didn't sell coffee. We didn't do hair. We just did classes a few a day. I was the only employee at the time. I rang in every sale. I checked in every member. I did every Instagram post. And I taught every class. Um... But it was really cool because people could see the vision before it even existed. They could feel the vibe um, before we were even really in the fullest extent of what the business was gonna be. So people believed in us, they loved our workouts, and they when we told them about the idea, they're just like, oh my God, like if it's better than this and it has all those things, like I'm just gonna live there. And um People bought year-long memberships already just in the pop-up. Like not even knowing what we were really doing. Like we just gave them sort of elevator pitches. And that was so cool. And a lot of those people, I would say like 95% of the people who were like our founding members are still with us come every day, uh, whether it's for a workout or just to hang out in the cafe and get some work done or both. Um So yeah, that was a special time because really, like I said, like we were just elevator pitching people telling them about the, what the big concept was and, and they really, it really resonated with them. Um, and I think Bolo obviously tries to answer these tangible questions about like, how can I be more efficient? How can I fit more in? How can I compromise less, et cetera? But there's this untangible kind of mission statement behind Bolo, which stands for body love Inc. Um, Which is just bringing people together who are like-minded, who are good people, who want to support each other, want to include each other, and just want to just kind of be around awesome, infectious people. And that's something you can put in a pitch deck, but you can't make it happen without those people. So the fact that those people found us, and actually those vibes existed day one, day two, day three. And now we're going into like year two. And that is, I think, one of the most outstanding um, commentaries that we get from people is like the vibe. And that's, that's the most special thing to me. Of course, I want to solve all those other problems. But you can get a great workout in a lot of places. But our vibe is what people keep coming back for.
0: I think that's definitely something that's true in in all even all types of fitness whether it's like a a sports team you just saw the Raptors and how they came together and they really had a different energy than um all of these other teams just about supporting each other but when it comes to people like like the people who go to bolo who are all pursuing their different health and fitness journeys and Mm -hmm. want these different things but the the coming together the knowing that it's not just you and that it's a community of people based around uh, all wanting to transform themselves and improve themselves, that's really when you have something special.
1: Yeah, totally. And and it's far beyond physical transformation, our space. We don't even focus on that. We focus on strength and empowerment, feeling good, feeling strong, feeling confident, actual nitty-gritty numbers. I want nothing to do with I don't want to know how many calories people burn in class. I don't care. Did you have a good time? Do you feel good now? Did you, you know, did you feel more um, powerful in your punches? Did you do more push-ups? Those are the numbers I care about. Um, did you feel connected to the community? Did you feel like a superhero? Those are the things. Those are the markers for me. So, it's cool also to get people who, who want to feel that kind of badass confidence, um, and cheer each other on in the process. Um, I think that there's a big kind of backlash from the technology kind of wave. Like on one hand, we've never been less connected. You know what I mean? Like we spend 90% of our time with our noses in our phones um, and trying to keep track of people on Instagram or Facebook. And I see there being a shift at least where we are of people wanting to be together to come early to chat to put their phones away um and it's really like a special kind of magical process to watch that happen
0: yeah it is um i i really like that point um and it's very true the the connection i was actually reading this book called um digital minimalism um and it was talking about how uh social media and all of these different devices you would think that it's bringing people closer together because Mm -hmm. now you have access to everything but it's actually removing that real um, physical connection which you can only get uh, even in terms of like a scientific perspective from like humans reacting to each other you can only get it being in person with someone Um, and that's something that's kind of being lost but through fitness or through coming to a gym like Bolo that is something that you can achieve
1: Yeah, I think, um, especially as we get older, like, we're not on sports teams anymore. We're not in gym class. We're not in the schoolyard. um, You know, we don't have study groups. Like, the things that brought us together in our youth, um, we have work, um, and oftentimes we work with people that we're we're not friends with or not connected with, and sometimes we sit in cubicles and don't even talk to one another. But I think, like, the gym... So it used to be the bar. Like, you know, it used to be the bar was a place where people connect, and I also see that shifting so people don't want to go to the bar anymore to socialize they actually want to come to the gym hence having a space where people can socialize before and after class um with anything from a smoothie to coffee to a cocktail so you know i really really wanted to facilitate those connections beyond just the classroom and um and that was part of the impetus of like having that beautiful big open social space
0: right um Earlier, you also touched on uh, the, the idea of storytelling. So your, your first few uh, customers, um, you were selling this vision of what BOLA was going to be yeah. before it actually came into mm-hmm. be. Um, do you think that your background in journalism helped with that storytelling side?
1: I definitely think that so now when I describe what I do or you know, where my skills are, I do believe I'm just an expert communicator. Um, And I think communication is, like, the biggest thing in everything that we do. And certainly trying to convince people or, like, um, let them in on a vision, communication is huge. I have to effectively communicate what I see so that other people can see the same thing and see the value in it and see all the different ways that they could use it and all the potential ways it could change their lives. So certainly I do believe in that circumstance – um, those skills played a heavy role. I think even though investors sent me away um, I still believe that those skills come in handy in those types of conversations. Um, being articulate is something definitely that drew me to journalism but that also my career in journalism you know, helped bolster and, and fill out and give me confidence to use my voice. So in those cases, I think it was really beneficial. And then I do believe that even just kind of everything I do at Bolo is communicating. So when I teach a class, I'm just trying to connect with people and communicate to them um, in a way that they need to be com- communicated to. So not everybody likes the same style of communication. And, you know, some someone needs a little bit of this spice and someone needs a little bit of that spice. And sort of being able to be flexible with how I communicate um, with our members, especially during class, is, is huge. Um, and then I have a staff of 30. And I am huge on effective, direct, and respectful communication. Um, and I do believe that um, spending all that time in television and, and writing scripts and, and, and having those conversations in the interviews with celebrities are things that have really served me
0: yeah 100% and I was going to bring that up too the The difference I feel like through coaching so for example I, I played varsity for, uh, for yeah. McGill University yeah. and the as a coach um, and as let's say a captain or as, as a leader or any members of those teams you need to figure out the best way to communicate with each person mm-hmm. and that's from fitness so like what will actually motivate people to, to go on whether it's Um, something about uh, empowerment as you said not necessarily focusing on calories burned but just that you had a good experience Uh, it could be on just picking someone up when they're down Totally. Um, but that's the same in in fitness versus in entrepreneurship as well yeah it
1: is and I mean I do believe also that if my life had taken another path I would have wanted to be like a sports psychologist I love thinking about talking about and sort of like Dissecting the brain of a of an athlete, um, and the chemistry of a team, and you know what makes people tick, what makes them keep pushing, what makes them stop or draw back, um, and sort of like what the roadblocks are. Anyway, all the stuff that I'm that I'm excited about, um, and that all plays into like how I try at least try to communicate with people if I see them you know, feeling discouraged, especially boxing is such a skillful sport and it can be very discouraging time one, time two, time three. Um, especially when we're at Bolo really focused on the technical side of boxing, it's not as much box fit as it is, um, learning the skill and building on it. Uh, and we want people to learn properly from the start. Um, having said that it's a massive sweat, but I do want people to learn, but it can be, you can see people kind of like losing their confidence in themselves. And there are moments when I have to really change my language with people and and remind them of how great they are, how competent they are, Um, you know, that they have to, you know, manage their expectations for being their first time out. And it's an interesting it's interesting to see the different kind of energies that exist in different classes. So when I'm teaching like the glute, the group glute grind class that I did for your app, um, the energy is like wild. It's great. Everyone's happy. Everyone feels accomplished. We do it in the hot room. Everybody gets a good sweat, whether you just sat on your butt and did nothing or whether you're doing all of it, you're going to sweat because you're in a sauna. Um, and it's sort of an individualized thing. It's not really skill-based. You kind of do it. You're in your own zone and you, you leave. Um, Whereas boxing um, is super dependent on the energy of the room on the person you're partnered with on how you feel about yourself that day on whether you feel like you're being successful or if you feel like you're failing um, yeah there's just there's so much beyond what meets the eye that goes on in those rooms it's really interesting to be a part of it
0: and it's also something that's very unique, I would say, among gyms in Toronto or, or even North America, just deciding to choose like boxing, pairing it with uh, hot room exercises. Like, what was the thought process yeah. around choosing those different exercises?
1: So, obviously, boxing is like my passion. So, I knew that I wanted to provide really great, really authentic traditional boxing classes. Um, it's something that isn't really being done that well in Toronto. Um, Especially from the standpoint of having a luxury style facility offering authentic boxing, those two things don't usually go hand in hand. It's usually grungy, dirty, old, like scary boxing gym that smells bad, where you'll learn. And then there's the like pretty, um, polished, smelling good studio that teaches not authentic boxing. And what I was like thinking to myself is why? Why is there this dichotomy, like, why can't we just bring luxury and traditional together? So that was one thing I wanted to do. Uh, but having said that as an athlete, and I'm sure you can relate, I, as a boxer, don't believe that it's good for me to box every day. So I knew I wanted to bring a diverse, a diverse range of workouts to the studio so that people could, could have an option and it's part of the reason why I think something like uh, the ClassPass app has become really popular is because people want to get a diverse range of workouts and try new things and move their body in different ways. But in this kind of era of the boutique, very, very niche-focused gym, so you have a boxing gym, you have a yoga gym, you have a spin studio, you have a pa- uh, strength studio, um, and they're all very single-focused, but ClassPass allows you to do all of them, and it seems to be super popular but again it eliminates this like community vibe because you're always in a new place with a different trainer and you can't necessarily take multiple classes a month. So if you like a trainer, or you like a class, you can't always have access to it. There's all these roadblocks. So when I was thinking about the diversity of classes, first thing I thought about was, you know, making sure that if people were going to lock in as an unlimited member, what did they need to do to have a very healthy, diverse cross-training experience? So offering Boxing and strength, because you, you can't box without strength training. You have to be strong to box and you have to, you know, whatever. It's it's kind of self, it feeds into the inevitable goal, which is to have stronger punches. You need to lift weights to do that and, and strengthen your whole body. Um, low impact workouts where there wasn't, you know, um, as much pounding on the body. Uh, punching can be really difficult from a cortisol perspective, et cetera. And then when it came to the hot room, um, I just wanted to rethink things a little bit. One of the things that, as a trainer, really, um, really frustrated me was that people, people don't necessarily want to put in the time that it takes to really understand an exercise and how it should feel in the body. They just want to go straight to the the burpee, like they want to go straight to the thing that's going to make them sweat the most, that's going to bring their calorie count up, et cetera, et cetera. This is like, this is. This is my focus. It's like, okay, if you want to maximize your workout, you actually have to understand what it should feel like. You have to go through those motions. You can't skip the crawling and go to walking. you got to figure it out. And when I looked at that issue and, like, why it existed, it's because people want to sweat from the start. No problem. Let's put it in a hot room. So something like Pilates, at the core of it's just teaching you how to activate your core. okay. Uh, But a lot of people who like high-intensity sweats don't take the time to do Pilates because they feel like they're not getting enough out of it. So why don't we put Pilates in a hot room? Problem solved. And when it came to boxing, shadow boxing is something um, that, as a competitive boxer, I believe to be one of the most important components of training. It's where you can watch yourself in the mirror, really map out every single combination, tweak small things in your in your game plan, and your punches, um, and slow it down a little bit without having repercussions of, you know, hitting improperly or doing the wrong thing, building bad muscle memory. But people rush through that process because you're not sweating enough. I just used air quotes. Um, so I thought to myself, like, what if we shadow box in a sauna and the whole class was just shadow boxing, but you're sweating like buckets because you're in a sauna. And then that was sort of like the impetus of those things. And then to glute grind, like, not having to do jump squats every minute, um, being able to do slower, more controlled, more diverse um, squat movements and lower body movement patterns, um, and not have that fear of of not maximizing your sweat time. Like, don't worry. We got you. It's 37 degrees in there. You will maximize your sweat, and you're going to learn something, and you're going to learn properly. So...
0: Wow. <laughs> I think, honestly, it, it really connects to what we, we spoke about before, about just problem solving. So you see something, let's say it's yeah. that people aren't getting enough out of Pilates or their mindset isn't right and that they, they want to sweat. So you, basically you're saying that you're getting a deep understanding of what they actually want and yeah. then building something to fit that exact problem. Exactly,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The hot room, I think, is um, one of the um, it's like a trophy. Like it's, it's everything that I wanted it to be that room and how people connect with it and how they enjoy it and how they pepper it into their training regimens. Um, yeah, it's really like when I think about why I wanted to create that room and how it now exists in people's lives, it's like, again, we check the boxes on our mission statement.
0: Great. So just to kind of to close that, um, Bolo just uh, recently celebrated its one-year anniversary um, for, the, for the physical space. Um, where do you see yourself and Bolo in five years from now?
1: Oh, man. Um, I'm doing a lot of, like, goal-setting manifestation right now. So um, I always said that Bolo Miami was my five-year plan. Wow. So now I guess I only have four years. <laughs> Which is fine. It's totally fine. Um, no, I'm not kidding about that, but before I get ahead of myself, um, I definitely think we're at a place now at the one year mark that, um, you know, the Bolo headquarters is, is, is happening. It's working, it's moving, you know, um, we have a great team and it's hit its stride, I do believe. And so obviously Next thing on my mind is expanding um, to another location in Toronto. So that's sort of like my new mission. Hopefully I will not make all the same mistakes I made the first time. I'm kind of excited to like do it again with like more knowledge. Um, So definitely expanding within Ontario. Um, And I'm from Winnipeg. So I'm really excited to bring Bolo to Winnipeg. I think that it's something that um, would be so amazing for that community in that city um so just thinking about expansion and then beyond that um one of my biggest kind of missions that has come from building bolo and sort of starting from zero is empowering and supporting other young female entrepreneurs um and offering them a community to bounce ideas off of to get support to um, get new connections and and someone to vent to, like, and everything in between. So I have a lot of um, sort of things cooking in that regard, creating more events, uh, maybe building workshops that people can participate in, just based on my experience and what I wish I had had when I was going through the process. Um, so that's a big kind of mission for me. And just continuing to to fight the good fight and put one foot in front of the other.
0: Yeah, that sounds amazing. (laughs) It sounds like there's a lot uh, on the way. And you mentioned empowerment, so... The last question that we always uh, ask our guests on this podcast is since fit as well is really just about empowering uh, both people who want to go on this health and fitness journey and bring that type of experience directly into their home, as well as giving people like you who are passionate about really helping people uh, the platform to access as many of those people as possible. Mm -hmm. So the question being, uh, what does empowerment mean to you?
1: Um. That's a great question. Damn, I should have prepared for this one. Empowerment um, means believing in yourself. So whether it's feeling empowered to conquer a workout that you've never tried or it's feeling empowered to take a risk on a business that you believe in wholeheartedly, empowerment is the true, honest, and 100% belief that you can do it
0: think I could give any better (laughs) answer than that so on that note thank you very much Callie for your time I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure the listeners did as well so thank you and where can they find you is there anything that you would want to shout out uh, at the end
1: Yeah, sure. Um, You can find us on Instagram at Bolo Inc. You can find me personally at Callie Fit. And um, you can find us on Richmond Street between Peter and Sedina. And we're waiting for you.
0: All right. So there you go, guys. Go check it out. Thanks a lot, Callie. Thank you. We really enjoy bringing you these stories because at the end of the day, each person has a unique journey. And why not share that with the world? We could all stand to learn from one another because each individual path has lessons in it that we can take and apply to our own lives. The process is produced by Fit, a mobile streaming platform for in home fitness classes. We thrive on giving people the ability to make one step towards their goals every day by taking on new challenges in their personal fitness journeys. We're excited to welcome you to the Fit family, so, download our app on the App Store today. Thank
1: you for listening and see you on the next episode of The Process.